Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everybody. It's Nick here, and welcome to Scale Up Your Business. So today, we are going to talk about a topic which is called making money work for you. Again, I say every week I say these are really, really important topics, and they are because they all kind of work together. None of them are sort of independent things. This one is a little bit more personal, so I'll get into that in a a minute. But before I do that, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really appreciating the support that I'm getting for the podcast, and I'm very grateful that the show has been ranked again this week in the top 10 in the UK business charts on Apple Podcasts. It's um, surprised me a little bit how popular things have been, but I, you know, the feedback I'm getting has been excellent. And keep that coming. I listen and respond to every single message. I'm hugely um, interested in what you think and obviously improving what I'm doing. So keep that coming along. And if you like what I'm doing, please subscribe, download, spread the word. And I'm sure if you have friends or colleagues uh, that will get some value from Scale Up Your Business, please, you know, pass my link along, suggest what I'm doing. And uh, always happy to have more people come and listen to the podcast. So making money work for you. I want to kick off today by saying your ability to manage money and cash flow in business is critical. We've covered that a little bit on some of the sort of financial gearing topics that I've covered in previous episodes. In fact, I would arguably say cash flow in business is the most important thing. So If you can't pay your suppliers, pay the people who are coming to contribute to your business and the growth of your business, then that's technically called being insolvent. So it's it's not actually considered a viable business or a um, a trading concern. So you've got to get that right. I know some people who take it to the extremes. What they do is they, they manage their business in a profitable state from day one. Other people, particularly people who are in technology businesses, they don't do that. They you know, manage what they call the burn rate, which is the cash that you have to spend to keep a technology business going because there's a lot of startup and front invested capital. And burn rate is simply, or having a, a sort of a small burn rate, is simply the ability to manage your cash effectively because you're not going to be profitable from the outset, certainly in those types of businesses in all cases. But... The thing that I want to kind of touch on today, even though obviously this is scale up your business, is that sort of managing your money actually starts with you. So it's essentially how you manage your personal finances and your budget is indicative of what will happen also in your business. So this is a bit more personal today. It's about how you think about money, how it works for you. However, again, everything I do is in the context of, you know, business startup scale up and getting to a a position of freedom and security longer term. So all of these things, again, as I've said, are interrelated. So I hear you say, no, Nick, they're not related. I can absolutely manage my business finances. I'm just not that disciplined when it comes to personal spending. 
I like to buy stuff that excites me in the moment, but generally I don't need. Now, I made that statement up. I was doing some preparation last night. I thought I'm going to write a statement out there and put it out there for you guys because I think this, this statement is how a lot of people live their lives financially. The thing you've got to get around this, and this is the, you know, there's a few interesting concepts today. I'm sure that there's some things I'll say today that you probably haven't come across before in terms of money and wealth and finances. And the first thing is, it's about emotion. When it comes to your finances, unless you can manage your emotions effectively, they'll come back to bite you in some way, shape or form, either personally or in your business at some point. So it's best to deal with it now. And you heard right, I said emotion. So most people think that money and finances are rational things, numbers, spreadsheets. Well, of course, that's true, but they're underpinned by deep-seated emotions. And this is where we need to start to think, um, you know, in order for you to become, let's say, a, a maestro of money, and trust me, everyone should have, you know, financial mastery as one of their goals. Today, I'm going to give you some advice to help you get on track if this part of your business and your life is not where you want it to be. So before I go into that today, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to give you some tips. There's only really three things I want to kind of cover. And I could literally spend a whole episode going into each of those. But before I do that, here's a few resources which go into much greater detail um, than what I will go through today. So the first one, these are some books and, and some things that I've used. To give you a rank order of which is the best is impossible because it actually depends on where you are. But the first one is a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. Quite an old book. I mean, you probably might have heard it before. It's it's a seminal piece on how you manage money. And again, it brings the psychology of money into it. It's by a guy called George Samuel Classen. The second one is another famous book. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. That one I was given, whoa, let's think now, 15 years ago, 20 years ago maybe, and I read it and didn't do a thing. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad book. That was just because my emotions at the time were uh, governed by other things, let's say. Then you've got uh, quite a new book, a book called Money by Rob Moore. And I've mentioned Rob before on this podcast. He's my mentor. And that's a great book just to kind of give you the broadest possible context about money. And there's quite a lot of gain about the emotion and psychology of money in that. Then there's two really strong books by Tony Robbins. Um, one, or the first one I recommend is called Money Master the Game. And it is a marathon of a book. I mean, it is pages and pages and pages. My suggestion is, even though that's the first book that he's written that sort of focuses on finances, sort of read that one second. The first one I recommend is called Unshakable, Your Financial Freedom Playbook. And that's so much more accessible. It has many similar concepts. It's a little bit more modern, but it's just... A lot easier to get through. But again, fantastic books, both of them. They have really clear strategies that if you take action in the moment on those strategies, they'll definitely help you become more in control of money and make money work for you. And then the last one is a little bit more involved and complex. It's a book called The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. And it's considered certainly one of the best books on investing of all time. And for me, it's more once you kind of have the emotional and the psychological side of money and financial management worked out for you, this is a great book just to contextualize how you should start thinking about where you put your money. 
So as I said, there isn't really a best one. Uh, they're all great, but have a look at them, you know, maybe do a little bit of sort of read the reviews on Amazon or whatever else and get the one that aligns first with where you are today. Okay, so let's get back to emotion. Now, I need to set the scene to provide a bit of context here. Not that long ago, I was terrible in the world of finance. And I mean, like, terrible. So I like to share my story for for the reasons I've said. I think it just makes this stuff come alive and the fact that I'm not making this stuff up. I would buy stuff for lots of different reasons, but none of them are really that good. And worse than these actual emotions around buying, I would often buy stuff, keep it for a little while, return it very quickly, or if I couldn't return it, I would eBay it. And I'm literally saying, you know, I would have these things for hardly any time. And I had this kind of addiction for a while of running shoes because, you know, I think I've mentioned I used to do lots of marathon and ultra marathon running. And I would just buy shoes, so much so that my wife actually built a shoe cupboard in my home to house what was like 20 pairs of sneakers. So I had like trail shoes and long distance running shoes and racing flats and all this sort of stuff. Now, I didn't need any of these things, really, because, you know, when you go running, it's a pretty simple exercise, put some shoes on and go for a run. But I didn't realize at the time that none of this behavior I was demonstrating was rational. It was all emotional. And what I was really doing is I was masking certain perceived efficiencies in other areas of my life by these short-term, almost like hits of satisfaction, Yeah. So if you know people who go and buy and they go on spending sprees and all that stuff, a lot of the time they're doing that just to give them a hit. So it's not that dissimilar to, you know, drinking alcohol, taking drugs, obviously different degrees of these things, but it's in the same ballpark. So for me, what was it? Well, partly it was boredom. Back then, I wasn't really understanding fully or following my mission. And as a result of that, I was kind of compensating in other areas. A little bit about significance. So having the latest stuff, what people thought about me, was I, you know, um, ahead of the curb, you know, those sort of, that sort of stuff that again, it doesn't, when you kind of start doing things that are really congruent with your values and your standards, they become less important. But back then they were important. Clearly making myself just feel good, buying things as a reward. So if I'd had a, a very successful week in the job that I was doing at the time or some sort of success, I would, you know, go and buy myself something. And as I said, ultimately, all of this stuff was an addiction. And I found out since then, it's actually a really common one. So that's partly why I wanted to do this episode today, because a lot of people who are similar to me, you know, entrepreneurs, they've, they've got strong ambition, they want to get to where they want to get to quickly, they, they do have other tendencies that can be either positive or negative in terms of how they're living their lives. And this is something for me that just wasn't working for me. It's a question I've got for you, you know, does this resonate and have you been like this either now or in the past? So everything changed when I got a coach and mapped these things out in relation to other areas of my life, the other areas of my life that I wanted to improve on. My ultimate goal back then was financial freedom. And I thought back then that financial freedom meant that I could do all sorts of different things. And I'm sure, you know, this is, this is most likely on the top of the list for many of you. But my patterns of behavior around money and spending were 
absolutely misaligned with that ultimate vision. And so I needed to create new patterns and behaviors to, to essentially join everything up. And I did. And when I did it, everything clicked into gear and I massively accelerated towards my goals because I'd fixed something that was holding me back that I think unconsciously I didn't really realize at the time that it was. I look back now, and this was quite simply a change, I suppose, in focus and emotion, definitely a change in my habits, kickstarted by awareness that there was an issue and held to account by, as I said before, my coach. And there were three things that were said to me back then that were incredibly powerful. And I want to share them with you today because when I heard them, particularly a couple of them, they literally just sort of smacked me in the face straight away. And I was like, wow, what have I been thinking? So here we go. I want to spend a little bit of time on each. So the first one was money flows from people who value it least to people who value it the most. So just have a think about that for a second. I think the best example of that I can sort of come to is you hear the story of the person who wins the lottery. Like say they win millions and millions of dollars or pounds. And then the story goes that in a year's time, they've lost it all. I certainly have always thought before understanding this, how the hell does someone get that sort of money and just spend it? You know, it's difficult to spend that sort of money. You've got to be a little bit crazy. But what it comes down to is their psychology is one that they don't feel like they can they deserve it. And I'll get into this a little bit later um, in terms of one of the things you need to think about at this. But, but that's the piece. So just, again, money flows from people who value it least to people who value it most. And again, as I'm saying that, saying this, think about it in the context of an emotional state, not a rational one. Okay? Second is, and this one was a really interesting one, If you're not a millionaire by the time you're 40, and this is important to you for whatever reason, then you simply haven't put enough focus into this area of your life, and therefore you need to change your focus. I mean, wow. I mean, when my coach told me that, I was thinking, I think my belief system at the time, because I didn't come from a wealthy family, certainly didn't come from any real understanding about how to manage money and certainly how to make money work for me, that this made total sense. I mean, I I didn't believe I was worth that level of financial success or achievement. So therefore, a little bit like the first point around money flows from people who value it least to people who value it most, I didn't know the concept of it. And so therefore didn't put it in the right frame or calibration to get to my goal of being financially independent. Okay, great. I mean, these are just so powerful. I hope they're helping you as you hear them. Certainly spend a little bit of time to resonate with them. I mean, please pause the episode and, you know, go back and listen, but they're, they're very powerful. And the third one, which I love, and this, this is the one that probably changed me fundamentally, is that wealth is actually a spiritual concept measured by the number of zeros in your bank account. So, again, just powerful, spiritual concept. What, what do you mean by that? What it is, in, and I 100% believe this, is that if you add enough value to people in life without expectation, you'll have everything you want in life. 
So a lot of people go out there and, and they worry about, I need to get more customers, I need to do this. Yeah, it's not the need to get more customers, it's the need to add more value. Add more value with integrity more than anybody else and you'll never have to worry about money. People will seek you out in your business. You'll become prolific in what you do if people understand you're coming from a, a position, a state, which is of contribution, and that is a spiritual state. As soon as I clicked this into gear, as soon as I realized, actually, this is, and you, you can't fake this, by the way, this is not, hey, wow, suddenly I'm going to do lots of other things, so I know I'm going to make lots of money. You've got to kind of forget about the money and just get out there and add value. Get out there and help people. And I've said this, I think, almost every episode since I started doing the podcast, I will jump on the call with anybody. And more often than not, 80%, 90% of the time, that never eventuates into any type of business model for me. And I don't ever expect it. But I have absolute faith and certainty that if I put focus into that area and genuinely give everything I possibly can to helping that person, the sort of universal law of reciprocation will come back and, and I'll be looked after in whatever way that needs to be. So there we go. Uh, heavy stuff. I can hear you saying, hey, chill out, Nick. Yeah, well, you know, you know, you know now. Come on, you know. If you've been listening, I, I get into mindset. I get into some other stuff because I think these things are important. And this is a bit there. But trust me, in my network of millionaires, decker millionaires, all that sort of stuff, there isn't one person who doesn't adhere to these principles or at least, you know, contextualize them again in what they're trying to achieve with their mission. So before we get into the practical stuff today, let me leave you with this. Why do you want to scale up your business? Just, just ponder the question. I bet somewhere in there, it's to create wealth, freedom, and live life on your terms. Am I right? So people think sometimes, you know, having as much money in the world is the, is the thing you want, but ultimately it's not. What you want is the freedom and the choice. And by being financially independent or financial freedom, all of those things, it's that peace that you're trying to achieve. And what I mean by making money work for you is this is where you must start on your journey because even if you have a successful business, having this stuff in the right position and frame in your own mind is going to be critical to how you sustain that going forward and, and ultimately becoming fulfilled with what you do as opposed to just achieving. So I believe there are essentially three clear principles that shift you towards this ambition, if you like, of absolute financial freedom. And you've got to navigate each of them to ensure success. And yes, I did say the word ensure because like anything, what you focus on is where your energy flows and that's where the results will eventually show. It's not luck. Yeah, it's simply a process. You learn it more quickly and effectively from following other people who have been on the same journey and then you commit it into your goals, into what you're trying to achieve, into your habits, into your daily actions. So where to begin? As I said, three important strategies. These are not where and how to invest, how to save, you know, God, get a, get a, a wealth manager or someone who can give you those insights. That's, that's not me. 
Um, as I said at the beginning, it's about emotion and psychology, and that's where you've got to really land things. So let me kick this off. The first one, a very strange one, but an important one again, is give a percentage of your money away every month, year, whatever's right for you, to those who need it. But Nick, I need it. I need that money. I need to put that money somewhere. No, no. Yeah, you do need some money, but you don't need all of your money. (laughs) Okay. This is a powerful concept that I honestly think can transform your life, not to mention your business. And what you're actually doing is you're changing your mindset to a position of contribution. And often what you want and need, as I said before, when I say about, you know, offering, offering help without expectation is returned to you many times over. So people who are skeptical of this are the ones who tend to go, well, actually, I'm not going to do that. That's just, that's just crazy. But you've got to think about how do things happen, right, in business and your life. They happen because two people usually have to have some sort of relationship or rapport and they have to exchange value. If you go into a situation and you're coming from a state of contribution, you are giving a lot of way. Imagine how good you're going to feel about you. Imagine the energy that's going to come out of you when you have a conversation with someone. You don't even have to say you're doing it. This is not about proving it, but just imagine how you come across. You know how when people say, God, you know, that person had, there was something about them. I can't put anything on, but oh my God, it was powerful. Normally, it's because they're doing stuff like this, which is changing how they feel about themselves. So the first thing, start doing this. It can be as simple as what I do. I sponsor some kids um, in Africa through World Vision. Been doing it for 20-odd years now. And in fact, one of the the most powerful things for me is I ran a marathon, an ultramarathon called Comrades, which is in South Africa, and it's um, 87 kilometers, I think. Fantastic event if you're into running. It's, it's almost like considered the, the world's greatest ultramarathon, but I did it one year. And there was a piece where I was running through literally almost like the sandlands and the desert areas of up near Durban, and you run through the World Vision camps, and they literally have all of the children lined up along the road, and you know, they've got nothing. I mean, they've got a bit of food, some water, you know, the clothes are all torn, they're dirty. You know, the, the people there volunteering in these camps are doing the absolute best they can. But you absolutely see in plain sight the impact that you're making because, you know, it's just there. And I've been doing it for years and I didn't run comrades to see this. I didn't even know it was going to happen. But it was one of those serendipitous moments where I just thought, wow, I've been helping here for probably 15, 20 years. And you can imagine how I felt about myself because of that, even, even though there was no recognition of what that money was attempting to do at the time that I made that decision. So have a think about it. You've got to think about what's right for you. I always say start off with 10% of your sort of net income, if you like. But the reality is just do what you can afford. There's no right or wrong answer to this. It's just literally about making the change because it's going to help you. Okay, so that's the first one. Second one is develop a psychology around money that attracts wealth and abundance to you. So I've said previously that sort of 70 to 80% of success in life is mindset. Well, wealth is no different. And if you don't feel that you deserve wealth or it's not something that you've been experienced to before because it could be your upbringing, 
you will take actions either consciously or subconsciously that sabotage your ability to attract wealth. So as I was saying before with my story, it sounds strange, but it's true. And it was actually, as I said a few years ago, without awareness, this 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 concept that because I hadn't been taught anything, I didn't value money in the way that I do now or understand how money works in the way I do now, um, my mindset wasn't right for me to get to that end goal, that, that state of financial independence. So how do you do this one? Well, this is, it's similar to how you create your life plan or your business strategy. Actually, you start with your vision, you set your goals, you commit to the actions. If you need it, I said, you know, get a coach for accountability or seek out mentors who can guide you forward. Some people even recommend meditation to change belief systems, particularly if you've got this sort of inbuilt programming that says that you don't deserve to be wealthy. I personally think it doesn't really matter what. Just recognize that this universal law exists, similar to reciprocity, you know, attraction, abundance, and you need to take action to have it work in your favor. So those two things, if I, if I just go back to the first one again, you know, moving into a state of contribution by, by giving something away to the people who need it more than you, and developing a psychology around money that attracts that wealth towards you, if you just do those two things and go in with full faith that they're going to have an impact, I guarantee that in a very short space of time, you are going to see a change. You're going to see a step change in how you view the world, absolutely, but in terms of how the world views you and moving you closer to your goals. Okay. The third one, and this is where we get a little bit more tactical, create a clear plan around firstly debt reduction if you have it, and then asset allocation. So, you know, what is that, Nick? What are you talking about? Well, if I, debt, debt's an obvious one. You've got to get yourself out of debt. I'm not going to go into the exact piece of this. There are different strategies around how to do it. I don't think there's a good way or a bad way around it, but you've just got to literally get into it and sort of follow it. One way I've heard which is really powerful is prioritizing your debts in a way that you want to eliminate them first and only pay the minimum amounts on your other debts until you've got your main debt out of the way. Some people say find the debt that's causing you the biggest liability. So that could be its highest interest rates if it's a I don't know, car loan or something like that. Other people say, go for the stuff that you can knock out of the way first because it just starts to clear your mind of what could be multiple debts that just compound you and take away your energy and those sort of things. I don't think it matters, but I do agree with the strategy is be clear on what your first debt is, and it may not be your biggest one. It may not be your mortgage, for example. Be clear on that. Pay that off with as much money as you possibly can first, and then just pay the minimum amounts off on everything else until that first debt is cleared and then move into everything else, okay? So that's the first bit. So debt, very, very, very important if you're in that position and certainly the first step to the the freedom piece. Then you move into what I call asset allocation. These are simply things like cash, savings, investments. And the way to do this is you put them into what we call virtual buckets. And there are essentially three buckets, but there are a couple of different nuances in those buckets. So the first one is the security bucket, and this is where you should put sort of 30 to 40% of your money. Then there's the growth bucket, and there's two parts of this. There's what I call the first half is the buy and hold investments, and I'll get into that in a second. 
And the second is momentum investments. And this is where you should put the majority of your money. So against both of those buckets, it's about 30 to 35%. So it's what, 60 to 70% in total. Because this is the stuff that's going to get the money working for you massively. And the concepts of things like compound interest and how you start to get huge returns over time, particularly if you take small incremental habits around it, can be huge. And then the last one is the dream capital bucket. Lovely name, but this is obviously where you put the rest of your money. But this is this is the big stuff. This is the stuff that gets you really excited. But until you can go into that, you've really got to be clear that the other stuff is working for you. Okay, so hopefully that sort of makes sense. I, I'm not going to go through it all today. As I said, this is in its own right could be a podcast episode. The best concept, though, is just to understand what those those buckets are. So to be clear, security, um, it's things like your home, it's insurance, uh, any overheads over the next sort of three to six months that you need to adhere to. You need to make sure that you're not feeling in a state of scarcity and then fear. When you get into the second bucket, the growth bucket, buy and hold, that's things like mutual funds, real estate collectibles you know there's nothing wrong actually with investing in things like watches or cars that go up in value if you if you want to prioritize that they can be a little bit riskier but there there is a a passion around those which can be quite exciting and momentum is things like options indexes um, index investment is something that tony robbins talks about in the two books i previously mentioned definitely worth looking into and then the third bucket the dream capital is cars cars that maybe don't appreciate like i said before the collectibles and the investments planes, boats, islands, yeah, all that stuff, right? And you've got to have them. In my in my um, podcast episode on goal setting, there's a thing about, you know, have a things list. Sometimes people put them up on what they call vision boards so you can manifest them. Yeah, I don't know if I believe 100% in that, but I do believe in having a list and have some stuff that, as I mentioned in my goal setting episode is, you know, it could be one year out, it could be three years out, five, 10, 20, and really have fun with it because there's absolutely no risk in dreaming of things, particularly if those things motivate you to move forward. Okay, so that, or those are the three things, just to really cover that again, give a percentage of your money away every month, year to those in need, and develop a psychology around money that attracts wealth and abundance. And lastly, create a clear plan around debt reduction, if you have debt, and asset allocation that's going to reward and compound and get you to where you want to be in terms of that sort of financial position. Wow. So lots to take in. And yes, I know what you're thinking. All of these principles, all of these strategies can be used for your business. Yes, that's right. So it's not just about how well you manage your personal finances. It's also how you manage your business. So think about the three things I've said and then think about what you're doing with your business and see how congruent they are. Because as I said at the very beginning of this episode, everything is interrelated. So that's enough for today, don't you think? My brain is certainly hurting and I haven't gone into the nuances and the detail around how you say invest your money. Um, We could get into that, but trust me, we're not going to do it today. So you're saying thank you very much, Nick. So, you know, it's a whistle-stop tour. I appreciate a whistle-stop tour. So listen, if I haven't covered anything or I've just gone a little bit light touch, please reach out to me on any of my social media channels. Any questions or comments, I'll always come back and answer. So Twitter, it's at Nick C. Bradley. 
Facebook, look for my personal page. It's got scale up your business there. So you'll be able to see that. And then LinkedIn is, is Nick Bradley. As I said, always happy to help. Um, and before I go today, just, just because I think it's relevant as well, I'm just going to do a, a quick shout out to a friend of mine. Um, her name is Catherine Morgan, and she is an absolute expert in this space. I mean, certainly much more than me. She's a financial coach, and she specializes in helping female entrepreneurs become financially confident. And she's got a business called The Money Panel. So for all my female listeners out there, sorry, sorry, guys, I haven't got someone who I know as well in the in the sort of, you know, just sort of male space without being sort of sexist or anything. Uh, but anyway, for all my female listeners, um, I suggest you check her out. Um, if you can't find her, reach out to me and I'll certainly put you in touch. So that is it. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now.